0: Mighty champions, raise your voices to the anthem. Marching with a mighty army. Wrexham is the name. Feel us in devotion. Rising to promotion. Cross on all to Feel Us in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, sponsored, of course, by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant. Tim, what are your favourite things about the Fat Boar?
1: My favourite things about the fat boy is that you know, on now and again, you can just phone about the blue, say, "Right, I really need some grub," and he'll get it there pretty swiftly. And the fact that he is gobbling up the owner, Rich, is gobbling up Wrexham like a real life game of Monopoly.
2: He's like a hungry hippo. Exactly, <laughs> it <laughs> does not look like
1: one. For the record, he does not look like a hungry hippo. We, thank you for your continued sponsorship, Mr. Watkins. But yes, he does gobble them up like hungry, hungry hippos.
0: Indeed he does. Uh, thank you, Rich, for your continued uh, support. Um, not much to add from the podcast two weeks ago. We've not signed anyone else. Is anyone starting to get a little bit jittery?
2: Tell you who's getting a little bit jittery. Dave Jones, he thought he'd retired. <laughs> he's a key. He's the key part of the team at the moment. Um, we're a few down, aren't we? And um, I think I think Parkinson certainly knows that. I think ideally I'd want another one or two strikers in. I think we we still need a wing back, uh, a centre half, and a creative midfielder. Um, yeah. So it, it's still a shopping list. It's still four or five. Does anyone think that we've never used really used the loan market? What's what's wrong with us bringing someone in, yeah. like from a from from a Championship or a Premier League club, and just 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 using it that way? Surely it wouldn't be as expensive. And if you've got things like you know you don't know when hall Johnson is back, well if you yeah. bring in a loan to to supplement exactly. that side, is that is that the way forward?
0: Seems the perfect opportunity to to bring in a good right wing back, good young, quick wing back who wants to prove himself and see why not?
2: Yeah, a bit like Bryce Susanna, yeah.
3: We did have a, a right winger um, in last week. Uh, Mr. Reese Mogg was uh, at the, the race course, but I don't Oh, I don't know you
2: have going. yet to go. In.
1: <laughs> Lowering the tone. <laughs> Lowering the tone.
2: Look, but yeah, let's just have a quick just, just, just quick thing on that, right? We're, we're trying to get funding from the, from the central government. So sometimes people like him will show up. And look, he can live in a hut outside the race course for all I care, as long as we get that cop stand. That, um, hut, you know,
1: that hut, that not would not last very long. it has to be said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you'd, uh, you'd have to full time, full time, be outside it, Tim. Absolute <laughs> not. I'd rather quit.
3: You're right though. With a bit, can't stand the bloke, but suck it up. Get on with it. Yeah, take a million run.
2: That that's it. I'm. 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 This is not hill. I'm going to die on. He was there for a couple of hours. <laughs> he wandered round. He probably didn't even know what it was. Wondered where the croquet was played. Plug it <laughs> off. That's it. <laughs>
0: Indeed. Uh, back on the pitch, in terms of, we all mentioned there are quite a few different players we're probably short of. Is is there a point where we say, well, um, let's not get too carried away because technically the first 11 is stronger than it was when we finished last season. And that is the season we ended up with 88 points. And since Oli Palmer came in, you know, we're probably on course for more like 90 points if it started like that. Uh, you know, is, is it as worrying as some people suggest it is?
1: I'm just a little bit concerned that you know we've got got one more friendly left against Macclesfield, then the season starts, and like you know this this is the quote direct from Parkinson, right? He said the depth of the squad isn't where we need it to be. The quality we've got is great, but we need more of that. As it stands, the deal of proving difficult to get completed. I'm happy with the lads we've got here, but we're looking for more additions in the next two weeks so um why are they why are they proving difficult to get get completed are are agents holding us to ransom because we know we've got money um or or you know do you as fans are are you happy to play the long game if it means getting players of a higher caliber i mean where
2: do you draw the line yes i am Mm -hmm. So I mean, ideally, it, I'd, 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 no, ideally, I'd want them to, to be to integrate to the squad now. But if they're a good yeah. enough quality, they'll integrate to a team at any point. Oli Palmer did. Now, yeah, I think it's half half Parkinson trying to get the right caliber in, and half, yes, as you said, agents playing hardball, knowing Wrexham got money and trying to squeeze that extra five hundred to a thousand pound out of us, probably per week. So, yeah, I, 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 it's a combination of both those things, um, but. <clears throat> I don't want to just rush into it. and That's why I'm saying maybe the loan market is like the stopgap. I don't want to rush into things. I want to get the right calibre of players in. But as we said earlier, we're only a few away. Look, we've got a good spine of the squad.
1: I think there's this there's this weird thing that because we haven't had a very busy pre-season programme and we haven't got everybody in early doors, that there's this, um, you know, sort of, myth that oh we've got to get them in and we've got to get them integrated and they need to be gelling with the rest of the team hit the ground running if we're getting players of a higher caliber from a, a higher setup they should be able to hit the ground running regardless i guess and i think is, is is that is that a fair assumption or not because it wasn't that long ago that that we finished the season we played quite long in and then all of a sudden there's a bit of a break and then we're back up and running so the break hasn't been as significant as it as it once was in the past, I think.
3: Just a brief note on the scheduling. We have got apparently a behind closed doors game against uh, Man United. I'm I'm not expecting it to be full (laughs) starting 11, but that should be a a handy little addition to the schedule as well in terms of pre-season fixtures.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, In terms of any in the nose, in On this podcast, anyone got any little insider knowledge about people that we're after? What, ha- whatever happened to the Tom Lowry rumor? W- w- are we actually in for him? And it's still ongoing because he hasn't got a club yet, as he looks at like
2: Yeah, it? I think mean, that's the key thing. He hasn't signed for anyone else. I wonder if he is playing us against a few league clubs. But you know, we said it last last podcast. We waited for Mullin, and we had to probably fight off a couple of league clubs for him. Eventually, we got him. We might be in the same position now where we're playing the long game on quality players. And I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that, but I do think we need backups as well. So, you know, if we, if this Larry Larry Lurie doesn't, doesn't come off, we do have another person there lined up because we do need numbers.
0: Yes. Wait and see, I'm afraid. Hopefully next time we do a podcast, we'll have a couple of new sign-ins and we'll be feeling, uh, very excited for the new season. Um, but today we've got a really interesting chat um, lined up for you. Uh, Andy, why do not you tell us who it is?
2: I, I tell you what, if you want someone who knew how to play, bring a player into the club, then if you look over the Flynn era, there were some absolutely iconic names we managed to get in. And Kevin Reeves, who was Brian's assistant manager, was was very much a part of bringing them in and, and training them and getting them to probably the best. The, it's probably the best Wrexham team I can remember. Uh, and the good thing about the, the Reeves Flynn era, they kept they kept evolving the team. It was like Alex Ferguson esque. Over twelve years, they had one great team, and then they had another great team, and then they managed another great team. You know, it ran out of steam towards at the end. And I'm, I'm, I'm Kevin does sort of Kevin does sort of look into that. But you know, I would say it's probably the golden period. And Kevin Reeves, as well as being a nice man, was very much a part of that sort of triumvirate of him. Flynn, and Joey Jones. He was dubbed the nicest man in football during a 12-year association with Wrexham that began in 1989. Under him, the Len Robins enjoyed the best spell most of us can remember with promotions, famed cup runs and, of course, that win over Arsenal. He also helped bring some absolutely iconic names into the building, from Andy Marriott to Gary Bennett, before repeating the trick at Swansea. He then went on to become Chief Scout at Wigan and Everton, but we'll always remember him for being the Ying to Brian Flynn's Yang. Welcome to the pod, Kevin Reeves. How are you?
4: Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, Andy.
2: Thanks for the intro. Very, very nicely said. Oh, I, I work hard on those intros. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you know we we remember you quite uh, very fondly for for the time with Brian. But before we get to that, you were one of the first million pound players um, in the country and in England international. You know, back in the times where they just didn't hand out caps willy nilly. How good at you? Uh, how good were you at football? Oh, blimey, that's a question. Um, it's
4: listen. I mean, obviously, you get to the stage where you know you represent your country and you know, that, that squad at that time, you're amongst, I don't know, 25, 30 of, uh, sort of, uh, the best players in England. And it was an, an, an absolute honor. Um, I didn't ever really, I just got into myself into these positions. I worked hard for it, but I never, I never saw myself as that. I just sort of, um, um, kept achieving these things and, and just rolled on really. And, um, it's uh, as, as I said before to sort of play for the clubs that I played for and to play in the top league for six or seven years, and then um, you know to represent my country nearly at all levels was a great honour. And uh, I look back on it now as it, you know a, a very
2: proud achievement. But for those who can't remember, what sort of player were you? Because you were a striker. Now look, looking back on what Norwich fans in particular hold you in, quite, in very high esteem, and they say that you had very good close control. And very good sort of uh, technical ability is is that a fair a fair reflection?
4: Yes, I think so. Um, in those days, you know, it's changed very much now. But in those days, there was nearly every team played with two up front. So I nearly all, all of my career played with you know a, a big fella up front. Be it sort of Martin Chivers when I first went to to uh, uh, to Norwich, Justin Fashion who I played with for for a little spell. Um, and then at city it was the same with david cross probably trevor francis was a little bit different at city we were probably more similar um rather than yeah. being two, you know a nine and a 10 as it was then um the 10 was sort of played off the front man um i think we were we were fairly similar in that style but um i, I wasn't a prolific goal scorer um a lot of the lads i played with you who know, were number nines probably were more so than me but i i like to feel that i would I got as much enjoyment as um, setting up
2: goals as I did scoring them, really. You're good. Let's fast forward a little bit. And how did the Brian Flynn link come about? Now, I take it, uh, I take it you, did you met at Burnley or did you know of Brian beforehand? No, we played against each other a number of times
4: um, at Leeds, when Brian was at Leeds and um, more so when I was at City. Um, and then we linked up at Burnley. Um, a lot of players from that Manchester City team, John Bond took over at, um, uh, Burnley, took, uh, Steve Daly, Dennis Stewart, Willie Donachy, um, myself, a lot of players from Tommy Hutchinson, Jerry Gow. Yeah. A lot of those players went to, to Burnley. Brian was already back there and established there, but we had a sort of, um, a really good rapport on the field as well as off it. Really. We sort of had this, uh, we scored a lot of goals from corner routines, and Brian had this little dink to the near post um and I used to get to the near post and flick it on and um you know we we had people coming in and finishing and scoring at the far post and uh, that that was we scored a number of goals that year, so we had a little bit of a link up on the football side of it, and he was a very intelligent clever midfield player who who could find you with a pass um but then we also you know we were I wouldn't say we were big pals at Burnley, but we were um, we were certainly teammates and, and got on well together. Um, where we really linked up, I, I had to retire through injury when I was uh, 26. And um, we both then started to work for the PFA. And Brian right. was um, uh, a, 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 a um, supervisor and I was at one of the clubs. I was at crew um, as a as a manager of, um, uh, of staff there going out into the community and in the schools and coaching and things like that. And um, we became um, friendly, I would say, through that. But then more so, I think the thing that probably clinched it was we both did our full licence together at Lillyshaw and, right. um, and we became closer through that. And I think um, both of us came out and passed um, you know our, our coaching course and that's when I think when Brian took over at Wrexham he was manager there um, and he needed an assistant manager go to go with Joey I mean Joey was obviously still playing as well the two of them were still playing so they needed somebody else to come in and 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 just be sort of on the coaching side and on the bench and what have you so that's where we linked up primarily you know we asked me to come to Wrexham
2: I mean, looking at the clubs you played for, I mean, they're all top-flight clubs. You know, you've been with England as well. What sort? Of, what was it like to, to go to the race course in, uh, you know, in the in the late '80s? What sort of training facilities did they have? And was it a bit of a shock to you? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I'll have to mention this because um,
4: Joey and Bry always do whenever I see them. I was I was at the race course for the for the England game. I was sub actually when when we lost four-one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that was brought up regularly over my 13 12 13 years at uh, at um Wrexham um in terms of actually going there it was a difficult time um training facilities were we were all over the place to be honest we trained at different places and ended up at Lindisfarne and you know we we, we had uh, a number of um schools and more or less sort of park pitches sometimes and we had to sort of, you know, sometimes go and and sort of clear um, I mean, originally when we first went there, we had Lex, which was a good training facility, but not owned by the club and, um, you know, so uh, the, that was difficult in itself because we were sort of um, you know, b- borrowing that really to train at. That was a good facility, Lex was really good, but then, you know we had, we had various places after that and it was a, a bit of a difficult time really
2: Yeah, I mean <laughs> I'll be honest. Things haven't really changed. They're, they're still hunting around for a training facility now. Now, now, one thing uh, that that was sort of a feature of certainly all through, but certainly the early part was the good youngsters you had coming through. Did you yeah. see straight away the potential in the likes of Lee Jones, Gareth Owen, Wayne Phillips? You had Phil Hardy, Steve Watkin? When you got there, did you think, "Hang on, this this club's this club by by or judgment could be on a sound footing here"? Well, in the, first, in the first couple of years, it was really difficult. Those players just weren't old enough
4: at that time. I mean, the club very cleverly recruited you know, Cliff Sear as, as um, head of recruitment and Mike Buxton, who worked with them. The, both of them worked really well together. Mike was a, an ex-school teacher. Cliff was an ex-player who could spot a player and was fantastic with the parents. The two of them bounced off each other really well. They And they'd sort of only just sort of started. I think Dixie uh, um, brought them in anyway, you know. So the first one really was Chris Armstrong, who came through um, yeah. in, in that batch. Um, and then I would say maybe a couple of years, really, a year and a half, two years after that, two or three of them started coming into the team. Wayne Phillips, um, Gareth Owen, Steve Watkin, those three in particular. Um, had pushed themselves and were getting games we had a a sort of strange mix Andy when we first got there we had um, some very experienced players as you know Joey was still playing Brian was was still playing um, and Mickey came into the team Gordon Davis came into the club Alan Kennedy came into the club those sort of players were needed really to benefit the, the youngsters that we knew were coming through but it was yeah. going to take a bit of time. Uh, eventually, they flourished, but we had a tough, we had a real tough first two years at the club, I would say.
2: Yeah, I mean, of course, it's famously the, uh, the anecdotes about, about Rexham finishing bottom of the whole football league. Um, did you sort of know early doors that, that there wasn't going to be any pr- uh, promotion from the conference? And were you able to sort of maybe blood some of these players with, with, with that knowledge?
4: Yeah, that was, that was exactly the, the thing. We knew there was no relegation. Um, we knew that there were some good young players underneath. And um, we also knew that if they got games, they would get better. Um, you know, tough for them because they were going in and, and we were losing games um, over, the, over that first two-year period. And I think you've got to give a lot of credit, really, to you know Price Griffiths and the board as well, really. In today's standard, we probably wouldn't have lasted after that two years, you know i mean the same can be said with with that Alex Ferguson I'm sure at man united and with you know for four years not winning a trophy and now that would be very difficult to hang on to your job but it was the same with us you know we we are, you know so thankful to price really that he stuck by us and could see that we were trying to um play the young players difficult in in the terms of with the fans as well because the fans were you know getting impatient and certainly after after two years um, and then finishing bottom of the league the second year, you know, it was a it was a tough time. And, but you know, fortunately enough, we were given time and, and came through it.
2: Was there? You mentioned the fans there, and I, and I know what Wrexham fans are like, and I'm sure it was it was the same uh, thirty years ago. Were, were there sort of genuine calls for your head? Was there sort of people who who wanted who wanted you guys out because they weren't performing? And, and, and did that sort of get to you, even though that you knew? What you were working with and what you had coming through
4: um, oh yeah it's, it's um, we we did get stick undoubtedly, um, not not as bad as it probably is nowadays. you know there were clubs that did stick with managers and and it, you know it wasn't one of those where it rang around the stadium or anything like that. It was just as Joey used to call it the chicken run, where you went from the from your when uh, you came out of the dressing rooms and walked along that front bit there to the to the dugouts. That was, um, you know, the worst, probably the worst part really. Where you know where, but listen, we'd all, Joey Brian and myself, we'd all had that as players. Um, the only thing I think, um, you know, there was going to be a period where we thought, you know, we can only go on for this for so long, and you can only. I remember distinctly when we when we when we when we got through to the um, third round, we played Arsenal. Though that first round, we beat Winsford, yeah, and then we were due to play Telford in the second round and they were favourites. You know, they, they, I think they'd beaten Stoke the, the, um, the round before, 3-0. And I, I sort of remember Brian, myself and Joey, um, we were at Lex then actually. I remember meeting on the on the um, training ground and saying, look, you know, the club had been fantastic. they have given us a great run here. If we, if we lose the game against Telford, let's, you know, let's maybe think about calling it a day. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was on the training ground. The three of us I always remember it. Um, And, you know, how football changes. You know, we win that game 1-0 and um, play Arsenal in the next round. West Ham, you know, make some money, able to go and buy a few players. And
2: uh,
4: along with what we had coming through, the whole whole
2: thing was transformed. You know, I was... uh, We've sort of talked about the Arsenal, the actual game that the day on a pod before, which I'm sure people can 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 dig out. But to take us through the aftermath. I know you've sort of you sort of touched on it there, but did you find straight away that there that you know did you think that was a turning point? Did you see that there was increased sort of interest in the club, and did you know that you would have a sort of bigger budget to play with that you could actually for, for once bring some players in. For money to supplement your mix of sort of experience and youth, yeah, definitely. It was it was hundred percent the turning point for us. Um, I mean, the
4: game was amazing. You know, it's it's uh, for seventy five minutes we were we were battered really, um, but hung in there and stuck in there, and we we created an odd chance. Yeah. Um, but then you know we sort of equalise, and I I remember sort of saying to Joey, you know, I mean what will it be like going to Highbury, you know, and uh, and the money that it would generate, you know, and then um, sort of scoring the winner, um, Stevie scoring the winner, you know, late on, um, put the kibosh and all that going to Highbury and, and making a, yeah. a fortune. But it's an, it's, it's an iconic moment, isn't it? It's it has proved over the last, you know, they still keep showing it even on, the, you know, the FA Cup match of the day now. And to be involved in that, was was an amazing experience, and the the sort of the highs. It's the same for the fans, I'm sure. But the highs that you get from something like that um, were, were just incredible. And then, as you quite rightly said, what it, more importantly, you know, we go to West Ham, and, you know, and get a draw, and then another game. We've we've generated some money, and um, we were able to sort of spend uh, some of that money. Um, you know, the the end of that season and. And built up to the start of the next season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's there's a lot to be said for going in and buying a player at the right age, really, isn't it? You know, you yeah. said like so, you had Jimmy Case and Alan Kennedy, and they were at the wrong. They were they were their quality players, but they were coming to the end of their career. And then you had the other guys coming through who needed sort of like a buddy, if you know what I mean. You know, like yeah. everyone remembers like Mickey and, and and Wayne, and you know, sort of Mickey yeah. showing Wayne the ropes, that sort of thing. Same with same with Gaz Owen. Now, um, I I think I think we might talk about him later, but I think one of the players that you brought in who was quite quite influential was Tony Humes. Um yeah. I think Brian won we well, did a piece for our fanzine and he called him as the most influential signing he made during at the club. Do you do you agree with that? I would probably probably agree with that. Yeah, he would
4: certainly be up there. Gary Bennett would be another one, obviously, because um yeah. at the other end of the pitch, but but Tony was just such a strong character. Um Joey, Joey. I mean, the players came in from all different angles. Really, what what we had was a fantastic relationship, the three of us. And Bry was um, so good in that. You know, if one of us, if Joey, for instance, I mean, Joey was instrumental in being bringing Gary Bennett into the club. Really, I mean, I would say the most influential in that respect. Um, and if and if um, Joey was really sort of forceful in the situation, Bry would go with it, and it was the same on that one. Um, Joey and I went to watch Tony, um, you know, bearing in mind it's Ipswich. We went to watch a reserve team game and Tony was playing in that reserve team game. So we travelled midweek. Um, I can't know what time. You can imagine what it's like going to Ipswich in those days as well. Yeah, right, um, yeah. We travelled and we watched him and he was just uh, a, a, a leader. And that was the thing that stuck out for us, really. Um, aggressive, took no prisoners, Tony, but... You know, uh, a fantastic captain and a great lad. I would say, probably, I'd agree with you that he was one of the most influential signings that we made, I think, for £40,000 as well, which was money generated by the FA Cup, really. So I don't think we'd have got Tony. Certainly, we wouldn't have been able to pay £40,000. And and even the the, the fact that um, the profile of the club because of the Arsenal game had been lifted and
2: Tony was willing to come. Yeah. Was there any other sort of signing around about that point that you, that you think really made a difference? And I know you touched on, on on Bennett, but was you know someone else who you were able to bring in who really sort of helped the club when <coughs> in, during that transition? Well, Pedge, who played alongside Tony, was massive as well. Um,
4: yeah. And again, this is where I'm sort of saying that the, the, the signings very often came from. I Think that was more Bry, um through Hereford and his contact with them and new and new Mel as well. Um, and I think that combination, the two of them, they became great friends. Those two as well, they roomed together, um, and it was like a solid, reliable partnership. Um, and it was so instrumental in, in us doing well um, over that season. Then you, you know, along you, you get you get people like because Pedge was a very um, aggressive, um, but but leading qualities as well. Not the same as Tony, but they've sort of bounced off each other and, and they had a great working relationship. And then I think then that also helped um, the likes of Phil Hardy coming in at left back, you know, and yeah. um, Gareth, you know, get, becoming more established player. And, um, you know, and then you had Steve Watkin and, and Ben, the great uh, combination up front, more going back to that number nine and, that, and number 10. And the other yeah. one I would say, the other one I would say, certainly in the circumstances, how it came about was Carl Connolly. Yeah. Uh, he was a massive player for us. A massive player for us. He was an outlet for us to hit long diagonals too, because he was exceptional in the air. Mm. Um, but he also had a fantastic left foot. And for a lad who come from where he came from, a great football brain. Great football brain. Yeah.
2: My, he is my favourite ever uh, Wrexham player. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. We've got to love a bit of Cal Conley. Um We've touched on him, but how was how good was Price to you guys back at that time? And I, I, and I know towards the end, you know, when he sold, he maybe left under a, a cloud. But back then, was he the perfect football chairman? He w- he was. He was. He was an old-fashioned.
4: Um, you sort of had these people, you know, I remember Bob Olds at Ipswich, and you had these old-fashioned chairmen who... Um, who would just see things through and give people a chance. And um, he obviously loved the football club, desperate for it to do well. Um, You know, obviously there was a lot of sense in in the decisions that they made. And um, he he was very, I thought, very loyal to us. Um, And yeah, a a great chairman to play under, never interfered, never came in the dressing room apart from now and again, if he was just elated, you know, after the Arsenal game, uh, you know, he came in and it, it was just so chuffed. But he would never um, interfere in team selections or say, "Look, I think he should be playing." Just uh, I, can't, I cannot ever remember it. So um, in that respect, he just let, let us get on with the job.
2: No, it's good. It's good to good to hear that. I mean, I sort of mentioned it at the, st- the top, but you, you you did have a reputation as being 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 the nice guy. You were the good cop. Um, in, in the relationship. I mean, I remember when I first started in journalism, you helped me out a, a lot. Um, and so I'm always sort of gr- grateful for that. But did you yeah. have a root streak to you? Um, I think we all, the
4: three of us, I think what we had was... Um, Bri, could, Bri could certainly um, lose it a little bit. in You know, I think in a good way, in a well-measured way, and always when it was merited. Not one of these mm-hmm. ranters, and Brian wasn't a ranter and raver at all. Um, Joey exactly the same, Joey possibly a little bit more than both of us, but Joe was the same um, in that if somebody had a real go at half time, if Brian had a go at half time, um, then either Joey or myself would often go the opposite way, so good cop, bad cop. yeah. There were times when i when I would lose it, not 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 very often, I have to say. Um, But I think that, again, can have more of an effect on the players. None none of the three of us really were ranter and raiders. I think we Mm. were all... um, But I think we also recognised that sometimes the team needed it and sometimes players needed it. Um, But I think, again, I think we were quite close in the respect that we could recognise that sometimes the players, after a rollicking, needed a bit of picking up as well.
2: One yeah. thing we do on this podcast, it's called the Fearless in Devotion moment. And basically, it's we ask our guests to, to remember the one sort of time at Wrexham that filled them with the most passion, you know, really sort of got, got them up. And I just wondered if, uh, I mean, there's so, many, so much to choose from, from your period. But I wonder if there's one moment that stands out more than the rest. Um,
4: Well, I, I would probably have, I there was so, so many, Andy, really, you know. Yeah. Um it's it so did the the cup games were special and we tried to make them special for the players. I mean we we would we would take them to a hotel even for home games. I mean the, the Arsenal game we stopped in Rossett Hall, I think, and um we had a like, showed a video of the game before the before and um, you know, not how we could beat Arsenal but sort of went through it a bit more methodically than probably would do. I think yeah. that Arsenal game just takes some beating in in the the emotion of it all, and where we were um, as a coaching team, and that we we needed to do something to generate some money and I think that would have to be i know it's probably said by so many we had we had other ones you know that i remember in the in a cup run a few years later we um when we beat west Ham away and um, yeah. which was a fantastic result but the when we played birmingham city in that in that in that cup run. And they were a championship championship side and a good side then when we won 3-1. But the way we won that game, you know, we were that was probably our best performance, I think, in the FA Cup. That brought a lot of pride. Um, but I, I think promotion, you know, was fantastic. I think it has to be uh, the Arsenal game just for, for whatever.
2: You no know. one is going blame you for picking
4: that <laughs> <game>. <laughs> The feeling, honestly, the feeling, Andy, when that final whistle went, it was just... It was just disbelief, you know, and, uh, and the supporters' faces, you know, when you looked at them and, and what it meant to them um, in what was always going to be, you know, one of the greatest um, cup upsets of all time. And then Mickey scoring, you know, the way he scored. A local lad gets the winner. I mean, yeah. you can't script it, can you?
2: No, no, and you, you, know, you couldn't write that, but you're right. Um, just sort of touching on, on, on something we said before, I mean, during yours and Brian's time, and Joey, sorry, I mean I need to include Joey in all this, and especially in this point. Actually, you developed a lot of players from from the youth system. Was there one that sort of stood out that sort of really pleased you their development and maybe what they did in the game after? Um,
4: they were they were they were great lads, well brought up. I mean, you had Mike Buxton and Cliff Seer, um, obviously, and then they came into um, Brian Prandall, BP, and Idris Price. Yeah. In. And their coaching setup and they, they did a, a fantastic job um, in not only coaching the kids but in educating them as well because nearly every single one of them came through and were, were good characters and good lads. Um, lots of them had different. I think probably Brian Hughes was, was the one that had a little bit more, a little bit more talent, a little bit more pace, uh, very mm. intelligent thought he might have gone on and done a little bit more I and mean, he, he he had a good career. Don't get me wrong. He had a fantastic career, but I thought he might go on and, and be a top, top player. Um, and, and probably was, you know, the, the, the pick of them, Steve Watkin was just a great character. And um, so many of those, you know, Neil Roberts got the most out of himself and, and yeah. got a great move. Most of them in the end, Andy were, were sold on, you know, and, and that yeah. was part of our remit as well. You know, if we were going to continue to sort of try and build the club and get better each year. Um, but we got to the stage where we we're almost selling a player for four five hundred thousand pounds every year, which was a lot of money for a, for a club like Wrexham. You know, when you think of, you know, Steve Watkins, Neil Roberts, um, Brian Hughes, um, even Neil Wainwright, and people like, you know, people going back to people like that, you know, they, um, the, the youth system at that time um, was producing so many good young players. Dave Brammer, mm. another one, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how, how how important was Joey in all this? Because every time we speak to, to people who have come through the youth system, they just say that the one the person who really inspired them, the person who really taught them how to be a man in many ways was, was yeah. Joey. Yeah, I mean, what was he like to work with in that sort of area?
4: For, uh, listen, just, I mean, the three of us bounced off each other well. Joey was, is, um, you know, you know, he, he he absolutely adores the club, and um, you know, it that 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 was not to be even questioned. But um, he was such a he was a very very strong character, um, but had great values, and um, I think that came through, you know, with the players. A nice fella as well, yeah. you know, a funny a funny fella, um, and as I said before, we we had such a good working relationship, I think, where we all trusted each other so much. We all trusted each other's opinions. I don't, I cannot remember a time when I either questioned Joey or Bri in terms of what might be said after a game or, um, you know, players that you might be looking at and things like that. We had complete faith in each other's judgment and, um, and you know, speaking after games and, and you know, and, and to players and training it was just um, you know a, a fabulous sort of working relationship over 12 12 and a half years
2: yeah I mean am just sort of going through it I mean I mean if you look at that you'll it's 12 years isn't it and you revamped that team so many times you know they, they, like the, this Ferguson says there's three or four teams that yeah. pushed on I think you, you guys as well had that same sort of same sort of evolution and and yeah. I know you you saying that you were selling selling the youth players to, um, to to supplement the squad. I mean, one thing I did sort of look at was Wrexham was one of the first lower league clubs to have an academy, and I know that was very important for Brian because he was so so into the youth system. But do yeah. you think that maybe was a, just a little bit too expensive for for the club at that time? Would you ever sort of look at look at that with any regret in, in any way?
4: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think you do, Andy, because you just want the club to become better and better. And mm. over the years, teams have done it. You know, if you look currently at Brentford, you know, the way they've done it and, you know, they've, they've I mean, I remember playing against Brentford in a, it was a League Cup game we played down there, you know, in the fourth division and, you know, and you look where they've come. So it's, it's, it's not, it can be done. Um, I think, as you say, you have to keep, you have to keep evolving Um the the club had produced so many good young players. The area was a great area. You know, we knew we had sort of our, obviously Wrexham and Chester, but Flintshire was had always produced a lot of players for us. And then we were very strong in sort of Merseyside. You know, more more um, Birkenhead side probably. But um, you know, we were we were as I said before producing and, and selling young players, but it also enabled us to go in you know, to bring one or two of the more experienced players in. I like Peter Ward coming in in midfield, in that central midfield player, and then Wardy, you know, sort of eventually after three or four years, and Darren Ferguson then comes in in that position, you know. So it enabled us over the years to to refresh the positions and, and to treat, keep trying to go forward. And I think probably that was the only frustrating thing. Right at the end, it, it looked like it was proving difficult to do. So, um But... In terms of, um, I, I, I couldn't really criticise the way the academy's gone. Ironically, so many, so many people from that academy have gone on to, you know, you know, I'm yeah. talking about Adam Owen and Steve Cooper and Richie Rawlings and people that have got Mike Rigg, You know, who's gone on, you know, and been um, so many people within that academy's setup have gone on to great things. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Not, not just those. I mean, is it was Stuart Webber uh, at Norwich. Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh, Steve, oh, the, the guy went to Wolves. Sorry, I can see his face, but I can't, I can't. I can't recall his Yeah, but anyway, lots, lots of good sort of quality coaches there. Now, now you sort of mentioned it there. Could you really put your finger on on, on what went wrong towards the end? Because I was, we say it went wrong. You know, Wrexham was still in League One. They were still, you know, they were still a, a good outfit. Um, yeah. Was it just the case that price was was getting on a bit and was looking to sell and maybe that dynamic shifted a little bit? I think there was an element of that. Yeah, I think there was an element of that. And I think we were,
4: I think we sort of felt as well that the, the it needed a bit of a, um impetus um, and maybe, you know, a, a little bit more money um, for us to go to the next level, really. I mean, we were very close one year when we, I think we we went down to the last game to get into the playoffs. Uh, I think we played away at South End and I think we were waiting on Bristol Rovers' result. But we, you know, we lost out on the last game of the season to get into the playoffs uh, for division in the Division One. Um, but then I think it, it it looked like it was maybe it just came evolved really, Andy, and it just came to right. an end. I'd rather because you know, listen, twelve years it's it's pretty much unheard of nowadays. So. Um, and we had a, we had a, a fabulous time. Yeah. Was there any
2: bitterness at the end?
4: I wouldn't say bitterness, no, but maybe a little bit of disappointment. That's all. Um, I wouldn't say bitterness at all. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've seen Colin, Colin Griffiths, you know, and, and they were, they were, they were great. And Babs and everybody, the whole, the whole family were, you know, were great to us. And I, 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 I did go to, um, Price's, um, funeral you know and saw a few of them there and it was fantastic to catch up with them again um, and you know listen I've been in the game since I was 16, 16 years of age but I'd have to say those not the first two years <laughs> but the, the, <laughs> ne- for the next 10 years were some of the happiest uh, years of my, of my career in football.
2: Liam do you, want, do you want to come in?
3: Yeah just in terms of the um, you know what you all achieved at At Wrexham, do you feel like it was appreciated at the time? Because my reason for saying that is because when I was young, it was almost sort of taken for granted that Wrexham was a then Division Two, now League One side, and and perhaps people were focused on oh well, we need to be getting promoted. But to my mind now, looking back and looking at where we are now, that seems like quite an achievement in itself to to sustain the club at that level.
4: Yeah, no, it does. Um, it's, you know, it, it, you just don't, you don't think about it at that time because you're just trying to improve the team all the time and you're, and you're thinking, well, we, we, you know, we're an established, um, as it is now division one team, but we wanted, we wanted to go a step further, you know, and, um, as you say, you you sort of look back on it now, and, and it can easily happen. You know, it's it's amazing how many teams. Well, you only have to look at the national league, don't you, and see the amount of teams, uh, league teams. You know, good some good league teams who are who are down in that league and struggling to get out of it. Um, but no, it, it's the the thing that I'm I'm really pleased about at the moment was that it was not easy for us to get FA Cup aside, where the fans used to come. Um, you know, we, we you know eighteen thousand for the West Ham game. You know, thirteen fourteen for the Arsenal game. And and you sort of look at the crowds now, and they're getting sort of nine or ten thousand. But we 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 were struggling to get four and a half really. <laughs> and you sort of that that's the only thing I look at and sort of think, oh bummer, you know that would have been fantastic. It would have been great if we'd have yeah. got those. But I suppose. You know, you look at the game now, it's difficult to go to. Because I know we had a lot of supporters from that went to Manchester United and, and Liverpool and Everton locally. Um, and now it's not so easy to get. And hopefully they're coming back to the, you know, to the roots and, and supporting the, their local club. Um, but I'd say that was a little bit of a frustrating thing that we didn't probably get the crowds that we felt that we, you know, should get at that level, really.
3: Yeah, definitely. And you just, sorry, just touched on... Um... United. I seem to recall the club had pretty good relations with um, Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, bringing players in on loan. How was that um, established?
4: Well, again, you know, credit to Brian on that one. Really, I mean, he he um, he used to go to the Cliff training ground and watch there. Um, well, I'm not sure if it was under 23s, probably. Then I'm not sure. Anyway, he used to go there and then come to the on a Saturday morning and then come to the game in the afternoon. And um, to try and look at recruiting players, I think Alex Ferguson saw him on the touchline a number of times coming to those games. And eventually, at the cliff, they had a like the pitch was below, and then they had um, some glass where all the staff were at the top, and then changing rooms were underneath. And he invited Brian up um, because he'd been to, he'd seen him at loads of games. And I think um, I think Alex Ferguson respected the the uh, the fact that Brian would kept going. To watch their team, looking for players to take on loan, I think they formed a relationship, and um, and we had a number of players from Man United over the years, and I think we we you know we played them two or three times at least. I think in well certainly for our testimonial, but also for friendly games, I think two or three times, um, and we had a, a a fantastic relationship with United, and that was you know really down to Brian his relationship with Alex Ferguson.
3: Yeah, I can recall him, you know, giving quite warm praise for yourself and Brian and Joey before the, um, you know, the testimonial. What's it like to get recognition from someone who, probably regarded as probably the Brit- best British manager in terms of club career? Yeah,
4: uh, yeah, no, no, listener, um, he's a football man first and foremost, and I think, um, I think he probably recognised that both, you know, Brian, Joey, and myself worked really hard. At, um, not only you know on the training side of it, but we we didn't have a chief scout either. So Bry, Joe, and myself were constantly out in games. We we obviously saw um, Sir Alex at a number of games as well, and I think he recognised that we were you know working hard at our trade and and um, and I think he's you know he he would help people out in that situation and always has done you know and um, and keeps in contact with people, and I think it's just a mutual. Respect of people even at that level trying to do their job and working hard at their job to improve their team, and I think he acknowledged that with, um, as I say, particularly his relationship with uh, with Bry, but in, in Joey and myself as well.
3: Just in terms of the FA Cup runs, I can remember when I was following Wraxham as a youngster, it always seemed like we had a chance in those Cup runs. I remember even going back to the Middlesbrough games, so sort of 99, maybe 2000, when Darren Ferguson scored. And what what was there was there any sort of secret to sort of continuously punching above your weight in those tournaments?
4: Well, we I think we put a lot of belief in the players that they could um, you know could win the game. Um, we also made the FA Cup a little bit special for them. You know, I think I mentioned before about taking the team away on a on a Friday night. We did that virtually, um, even even when we were playing maybe round twos and 3 uh, uh, or round 1 and 2 sorry against maybe lesser league teams and we try to do something the week leading up to the fa cup um, you know whether it be going bowling or whatever we always try to make it a little bit special um, and you know the you know we played um, a lot of premier league teams over that over that period of time and um, i i remember the facts because i'm quite proud of them really i think we played 10 premier league games 10 premier league uh, opposition same team twice again, but i think we won four drew three lost three so i mean that's that's some some take in the premier league that kevin it is it is yeah yeah and uh fantastic occasions i mean and we mentioned before the west ham away game you know when um uh you know when we won down there one nil was another fantastic um but the players the players loved the fa cup and for us it was not only a, a chance for the team to shine on the, on the, on the big stage, but there was also that element of trying to make some money and, and you know, and, and, and try to bring some
2: more players in as well. And so lastly, in, the, in this sort of section, um, what's your view on what's going on now with the club? And could, have you, could would you have enjoyed that? Could, have you, could have you put up with all that extra media attention? Basically, would you want a, a camera crew following, following you about as you're trying to, trying to manage a team? And I, I think you've got, to, you've got to sort
4: of love the way, um, you, know, the, you know, these people have got involved in the football club and certainly the enthusiasm and commitment seems to be there. Um, the things they've done already, you know, the, uh, as I mentioned before, nine or 10,000 people going through the turnstiles every week. Um, I think you, you would definitely take all that and, and love all that's going on. You know, basically you, you get back to the team as to be formed. Perform and that would be priority. Um, I think even with Parky, that would definitely be his priority in the you know training and everything else, and all the rest of it is a bit of glamour um, that's all going with it at the moment. The weight support is is fantastic, which should help enormously when you're going to to away grounds. And um, I'm just fingers crossed that um, you know this this season that they they get up. So are we?
2: So are we.
0: Thank you very much to Kev for his time. Uh, We really appreciate it. A really, really interesting chat. And there will be a part two to that as well coming up soon. Um, Back to this year, back to the pre-season, does it seem like a worthwhile trip out to Spain?
1: Um, I imagine for those who went, it was probably felt like, oh, it's a holiday, but our team just happens to be playing an hour away, which I think fair play to to the guys that are out there. They did mobilise. I think a large coach was arranged to, to get most of them there. So, kudos to the fans who, who sort of rallied to, to get that sorted. Um, it wasn't the the, the best planned trip. That's no secret. 2-0 defeat against Laganis, um, followed up by one all-draw with Nottingham Forest in the 23s. Luke Young scored from penalty spot. So, the only goal we scored across those two games came from set-piece. Um, I know it's all about minutes under the belt. Obviously, we mentioned Dave Jones before. He played a lot of the kids played, so the blooding of youngsters is good. I don't. I mean, how much notice do you take a pre-season these days? I'm, I'm really not as asked as I used to be about it. Couldn't, couldn't care less.
0: As like, well, <laughs> I just, just care about how they play uh, on the first game of the season onwards. Really. Um, on the note of pre-season, though, Liam, it's probably a good time to mention. Um, it, you know, quite uh, famously, it wasn't the best organised. Um, Trip, uh, considering a lot of people booked out there, and then we didn't know where the games were going to be for ages. The game was cancelled. That was through no fault of the club, obviously. But it spurred you looking at Twitter to to sort of raise the specter of that fans' representative board, which is yet to be established. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, just to start with, um, just before anyone says that I'm part of the what is it, the 31 or anything like that. Um, It's an absolutely amazing time to support this football club. Last season had some of the most magic moments that I've had in probably, well, well over a decade supporting Wrexham. But all that said, I think the, the issue, there's been a multitude of issues, haven't there, over the last sort of 18 months. A lot of them quite customer facing issues, gin orders, football shirt orders, Um, Then you've had the issues with people being moved from the Mould Road stand, people being moved from the uh, director's box. Um, And it culminated for me with the way that fans who'd booked to go away on, you know, to the the trip away were treated, you know, lack of information, having to sort their own way. Um, So I just think there needs to be some, the best way I can call it is a critical friend for the club Not to be, you know, hammering people and I just think there's got to be a more constructive way of dialogue between the club and fans than people tagging Rob and Ryan in on Twitter and having a moan because they're probably not going to see it. And if they do, is it really going to be a constructive and useful way? So I just think there needs to be a better way. My question would be whether that's the the proposed... Sorry, my son. Liam, Liam's, children, <laughs> Liam.
0: Liam, Liam's <laughs> been a terrible father because he's getting. Sc- damn good. Do, you, do you want to go and attend to your to your child? Oh, you, no,
3: you- it's, it's all right. His uh, his uh, his mother is there. He's, he's locked in a cage, but um, no, don't worry, he's <laughs> fine.
2: Uh, no, oh, my I question- thought it was Sean Harvey in the background. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my question, though, though, would be whether it needs to be. Is it the fan advisory board that the clubs proposed that seems to have gone? Very quiet, or is it? You know, a case of do we need not a WST necessarily, but you know, some some form of independent organisation like that.
0: Mm, Andy, what do you reckon?
2: <clears throat> well, we were promised it. We were we were told at the at the start one of their key key sort of um, key issues was to get a fan representation board. Um, it's taking a while. It's taking a while to get there, um, but. You know, I do think we need we need that. Liam's right. We can't just be tagging Ryan and Robin in this. We need we need someone to sit down and really and really go through it. And you know, there's a lot of great PR around the club, and outwardly facing, it everything's rosy. But more inward, we're used to just a little bit more communication. I think.
0: I do feel sorry for Humphrey in particular. He he just gets tweets all the time. And I'm like, what? He must he must sometimes think he's obviously he's a friend of the friend of the podcast. He must sometimes like, why am I doing this? because uh, the 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 amount of grief he gets on Twitter, not grief, but just gets tagged into all this all this stuff. And I suppose yeah, the point that Leo's making is that this would bypass all of that and it would make it a lot easier because any concerns you have can get raised at a monthly meeting. Or a weekly meeting, and then they get taken straight to the top where they can be addressed straight away. Um, Tim, is that something you think needs to be in place before the season starts?
1: Yeah, but I don't see it. I mean, I, I had a bit of a there was a bit of a conversation with Mark Butler on Twitter about it the other day. He's quite <clears throat> um, cynical about it, which is fine and, and understandably so. Um, yeah, it, it should be in place, but it isn't, and ultimately. Um, you know, that needs to be looked at and rectified ASAP. Even if it turns out to be a lip service project, then we'll at least we'll know at least it's a starting point, isn't it? It's like, well, these are our views, please take them on board. They might take them on board and do nothing. They might take some on board and go, you know what, that's that's actually a very good idea. And whichever way you look at it, you know, that they can, they can piss people off left, right, and center, you know, in terms of people who've left, unfortunately, uh, you know, local people have left, but fans are and will continue to be the lifeblood of this club they need to re- realize that and put something a bit more tangible to fans to say right we, we need to listen to what you're saying we might not agree with it all and you might not agree with us but we need to have that that open dialogue
0: okay on that note, we're going to come to a close soon but first uh we're expecting the new kit aren't we this week and obviously we've got the first home pre-season game on Saturday against Macclesfield as everyone Excited, like a child at Christmas.
1: Can't wait to see those flowing savage locks in the director's box, wherever that has been moved to or is now. So, yeah, what a time to be alive, eh? One minute we were clambering after their boss in John Askey. Now they've come back from the dead and we're still in the same division.
3: I'm looking forward to seeing the new shirt. I think there's a rumours that it's red.
1: Is it red and green? That could be quite an interesting... um... Red with a green and white trim is the understanding. Um, mm. And the, There's going to be, I was trying to get some, some details and they were like, well, we can't do this, we can't do that. But you'll understand why when we release it. I don't even know what that means, whether that comes with a new player attached to the, to the, yeah, to the release, who knows. But within 24 hours of this pod going out, all will be revealed and you can buy it from Wednesday.
3: Exciting times.
1: That's what does exciting. Think? What does everybody think of the blue shirt in a word? one word handy badge Liam, <laughs>
2: Liam. City
1: Ooh. Reese. nice I'll just go with blue <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay uh, yeah hopefully you can join us next week but until then goodbye so, hey. cheers
2: Bye.